Hello everyone, welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show. For some reason we're staying a little bit funky because the music in this movie was by Quincy Jones, Janine. It was, very funky guy. (laughs) Which it was unusual really, I mean... Unusual when you first see it, but then it kind of makes a little bit more sense. As you go through, yeah. (laughs) When you get uh, further into it. But that was a nice little start, wasn't it? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the main show. It's episode 119, Mm. I think, of the main show. You know, it's getting to the numbers where I'm 100% going to forget. What number it is very, very soon and make myself look like a moron. I'm sure that has already happened since the 110s have kicked in. Anyway, um, but today we are talking um, another, well, it's another uh, race-related movie. It's, to be quite honest with you, probably one of the most famous uh, race issues movies in uh in in the in the older hollywood time it's from 1967 so i guess it's very very late old hollywood yes <laughs> but it still it still fits it still fits you know like we we like to say on this show don't we janine we we go for on this show we go for pre 1970 mostly yes mostly <laughs> although we have of course had the odd time where we've just Decided to do a 70s movie because it was nice to do one. (laughs) But today, it is not only another great uh, race-related movie, but it is also a patron pick. It's Steve's pick, Movie Fenobi's pick for uh, the month, because at his particular Patreon tier, he gets to choose uh, something that we talk about on the feed in general. In the, in the space of a month, doesn't he, Janine? It's he does. It's great. So what is this movie, then, that he has chosen for us this week? He has chosen In the Heat of the Night. Yes, Norman Jewison's In the Heat of the Night with Sidney Poitier and Rod Steiger. Like I said, from 1967, the police movie. Yes. Uh, Sidney Poitier being the typical Sidney Poitier character and ruling 1967 with all his might like Sidney Poitier did <laughs> goes to the racist South Mississippi, which is also, you know, very obviously not filmed in Mississippi, but it's still Mississippi, apparently. Goes there and he doesn't get on with the police chief, does he, Janine? No, he doesn't no. because the police chief's racist. And he's not even there for that. He's there visiting his mother, and of course he gets profiled and he does. turns into a whole situation where he then is tasked to help this police force. But what he is, he's a homicide expert. Yes. And, well, the little Mississippi, what what's the p- part of the, what's the place called? What's the little town called? I forget. Oh, I don't remember. Some bland American name. <laughs> Mississippi, basically. I feel like it's one of those town names where the USA has maybe about seven towns over the over the country that's called that same name. 
Like a spring field. <laughs> spring field. Don't you have like 10 spring fields or something like yes. that? Yes. That's why Simpsons use a spring field because in, every time they're about to say what state it's in, they like something happens and they can't say. <laughs> Basically, I just think you need to be more creative with your town names. I know that I know it's a big country and there's a lot of towns, but mm-hmm. you can't just keep reusing the same ones and then taking town names from this country. Uh, and just calling it, you know, Manchester, New York. I'm not about that. Okay, well, I'm sorry. Not just clever as you people. No. I don't, I don't care for none of that. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, it's small town Southern America. Where yes. It is as you would expect it to be in the late 60s. Because this is a, it's a contemporary movie. It's not a... It's not even like a little bit of a period piece where it's 10, 20 years or something like that. This movie's set when it comes out. Um, I believe, was it a book? I believe it was a book. Um, sure. I want to say it was a book. Maybe, maybe it just seems like it was a book. <laughs> um, but, you know, a contemporary book in that sense as well that is entirely commenting on the very, very obvious and very, very high profile uh, race, it's not a race war, is it? That's not the right term. Movement, the civil rights movement, the racial movements in the US in the 1960s. Yes. Uh, there's a big, uh, it's just, for me, in the heat of the night, I think... Well, for one, it comes out at the perfect time, 1967. Again, this is why Sidney Poitier is the king of 1967, because every movie he's in is just like a let's just, you know, kind of let's integrate, let's um, just love one love one another, let's just get just, along. Yeah, just so we can get it done, do our jobs. Yeah. And, like, even there's aspects of him kind of knowing the situation and kind of just being like, you know when he's forced to kind of work with this uh, cop that doesn't like him, he, you know, his chief, he's on the phone with his chief telling him, Hey, you know, I don't think it's not that I don't want to do it. I don't think they want my help. I don't think they want to work with me. So he's already kind of trying to separate himself because not that he doesn't want to help in this case. He just knows that they wouldn't want to. Yeah. And he's, understandably a little bit afraid of the situation because particularly well I say particularly at the start of this movie but kind of throughout the whole thing it's very very evident that a good population of this town is absurdly racist and absurdly kind of has those uh, old old southern America views um, that some would say are a bit stereotypical of the general south of yeah. the USA. Um, but they are more prevalent there than in the north, and they always have been. You fought a civil war over it, basically. Yes, um, and there are different forms, I think, I, I, I've saw of, of racism towards uh, Sidney Poitier's character, Virgil. So yes. We, I think we can get into that, but first... Yes. 
let's do Patreon shout out. A very good point, Ginny. It is Patreon shout out day. Before we get into the meat of the episode, like I, as I like to say, that sounds a bit sinister, really, doesn't it? The meat of the episode. I'm not eating it. Um, but it is Patreon shout out time. So, Janine, would you like to kick us off with the shout outs? All right. Thank you so much to Jeremiah Morris. Thank you to JJ Winwood. Thank you, Ferris Muthana. Thank you to Janine's brother, Justin, also known as 90s Comics Box for some strange reason. <laughs> Thank you, Travis Mickey. Thank you, Video Drew. Thank you, Adelaide Spence. Thank you, Corey Morissette. Thank you, Robert Parker. Thank you to the lovely, delightful Brianne Chandler. Thank you, John Mariano. Thank you to Nick Gilmore. Thank you to my girl Tina, Christina Farrell. And thank you to Heather Sabian. Thank you, Abby Friel. Thank you to Megs Megan McCurley. And thank you, Adelia Chamberlain. Thank you to Nicole Pereira. Thank you, Dwayne Burke. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you to Movie Fanobi Steve, whose pick this was today. It was, it was, yay. Thank you to Jake Yakaveta. Thank you, Samir Tesfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you, Oscar Romo. Thank you to Carla Fees. Go and, you know, <laughs> give people evil eyes or whatever you're very good at, Carla. <laughs> Thank you, Adam Collins. Thank you, Delicia Renee. Thank you, LK. Thank you, GG. Thank you, Randall Sands. Thank you to the great Ken Knapsock. Thank you, Jeff Newton. Thank you, Brandon Hanna. Thank you, Odd Shaped Channel, Tom and Kimber. Thank you, Eric Garcia. Thank you to the best hype man in the biz, Billy Paulahan. And last, but never least, certainly never, ever least, thank you to Laura Horsefall. I should also say thank you to the helicopter that just flew over this building, oh, which goodness. is very nice, isn't it? <laughs> I hope that didn't pick up too loudly. Yes. Patrons! Yay, patrons, we love you guys. Thank Celebrate you so much for all your support. The patrons. Wonderful patrons, celebration, <laughs> the patrons, yeah. Yes. I don't know why I'm in a sing-songy mood, Janine, today. in a sing-songy mood, it seems. I kind of am. I don't know why, <laughs> because, I mean, look, yes, the theme song of the movie may have been sung by the great Ray Charles. Yes, it was. Um... I'm not going to do an impression of Ray Charles's singing voice. I don't think I could do it justice, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. And it would come off as a bad impression. Yeah, so probably safer just to let that one go. <laughs> it's like it's like when people try and do an impression of Stevie Wonder and just end up rocking back and forth. And that's all <laughs> okay, they do. Yes, that is true. That's 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 all they do if they're doing an impression. Of Stevie Wonder. Anyway, blind musicians out of the way. <laughs> In the heat of the night, Janine. Yes. Sidney Poitier and the different forms of racism he faces. Um, yeah, I think 
when they go to question um, that Endicott guy. Yes. You know, we get, well, yes, he's being perfectly polite to him. But as soon as he feels challenged by him or threatened by him, it turns into, oh, my gosh, I slapped him first, but he slapped me. So what are you going to do about it? You need to, he can't do that to me. All of this kind of situation. So, you know, he can be nice to him up to a point until he sees him as a threat. And then that's when he kind of uses his privilege yeah, to try to have something happen to Virgil because he feels threatened by him. And even when the main officer, I can't remember his name in the movie. Um, Gillespie. Gillespie. Yes. Even when he is kind of talking to that other guy who works at the factory because the, 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 person who has died was running this huge factory that was going to help out this town and yes and they were murdered yes they were murdered so somebody who works at the factory he is kind of gillespie doesn't want to work with virgil tibbs he's like we can figure this out on our own we don't need his help um but the wife of the man who was killed she has seen that virgil has been figuring things out that the cops have not been able to figure out so she wants him working on the case. But Gillespie is totally against it. So the man who works at the factory, he is has to convince Gillespie to let Virgil work on the case. And how I see that as a different form of kind of, I guess, racism or, you know, he's like, well, you can work. We want him on this case. The wife yeah. wants him on this case or she's going to pull the whole factory out of the town. So, I mean, you can just take all the credit for everything he does. You don't have to give him credit yeah. for him solving this case. Yeah. Like, just just use him. Just use That's him for element. what he's good for. So, I f- definitely feel like, you know, you, at, at first you could see that maybe he's, he's advocating for Virgil because he yeah. knows he's a good cop and this and that. But once you kind of get through the conversation, you hear it more being from a place of him wanting to just, like, hey, he's good at this. The wife wants him on this case. So just to appease her, just use him. You can take all the credit once, you know, because he's not a cop here. Um, And if he messes up, he can take all the blame. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, even when it is not as harsh as calling somebody the N word or, you know, actively profiling them as a criminal because of how they look or um, that kind of thing. There are other forms where you can just kind of use somebody of color and then you know for what whatever you need them for and then kind of just brush them off so i feel like that's another form of discrimination for sure and look i think the two sort of outright forms that are the most obvious forms of of racism towards sydney poitier in this movie towards virgil tibbs are obviously kind of uh, especially at the beginning by gillespie but yeah. I think Gillespie's sort of attitude is just very, very inherent. And this is just, this is what I believe, and this is what I believe. Yeah. So I'm just going to stick by it. He doesn't think it's sort of right and wrong. He's not trying to kind of, I almost feel like Gillespie's not trying to, I'm not, you know, making um, any sort of defense for him. But I, I, I believe his form of racism to be a non-violent form of inherent racism 
Yeah. That's just kind of I don't Ingrained. want anything. I don't want anything to do with you. I'm not going to hurt you, but I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. That's kind of his. And obviously, then the next level up is what you actually get as well in this movie, which is the violent, what let's flaunt to the Confederate flag around racists. Yes. Which are blatantly violent and blatantly trying to inflict harm on and Sidney I, Poitier. And I think even when Gillespie kind of saves him or helps him in that situation where a bunch of racist guys chase Virgil and trap him in like this, you know, abandoned area and he has to kind of fight them off. Yeah, it's in like a Gillespie, warehouse. Yes, and Gillespie comes to help him. I don't even feel like that's kind of Gillespie is being noble in that moment. He's being kind of very, I told you so. Yeah. So, and yeah. like, yeah, you're useless without me. So maybe you just need to get out of here. And it's that whole dismissive kind of racism that you yeah. were talking about. Um, so, yeah, like even in a moment where he's helping Virgil, it's very kind of, I told you so, very kind of cocky, very kind of, I prove my point. Nobody wants you here get out of town so it is lots of different forms i thought were kind of smart to show um because i mean when you hear that word racism you kind of just really see you really don't kind of break down all the ways that it can be um yeah no in a story about racism because obviously yes people are aware of different many different forms of racism But I think in a story, you don't really think about it. You just, because they're kind of so heavy handed with showcasing that issue that I don't think they really go to the lengths of showing so many different forms of it in one kind of story. You know, you just usually see the one main form where they're getting attacked or they're getting called slurs or, you know. So to see kind of variations of that and you kind of having to break that down like, yeah, I see this is racist. Yeah, I see this. And look what he's up against. He's getting it from all different kinds of angles. You know, he's trying to do his job and it's made 10 times more difficult because he's getting all different types of racism and discrimination from all different kinds of layers. Do you know what one form they don't actually have in this movie, which, to be perfectly honest with you, is quite a modern form. And it's the the kind of the, the get out style of racism where it's... Um, kind of black people are objects of desire, but they're still objects. Oh yeah. Kind of. It, it's. It's. I don't. I've heard the. I've heard the term anti-racism used because it's kind of going beyond just being nice to a point of these people aren't even people anymore. They're just objects, and we should want to be them. And not seeing the, any sort of humanity in there, so yeah. it's it's the very far end. That's why it's kind of a such a a modern form of, yeah. uh, and it's smart obviously to be able to tell a story with that in. Which is why yeah. that movie is obviously so well revered as a, yes. as a race movie of the past five years. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to recognise the different forms of racism, though, because I know. Admittedly, I know personally a fair few people who are kind of like Rod Steiger in this movie. Maybe not as, you know, blatantly outright harsh about it, but just inherently just, okay, I'm, you know, don't really want anything to do with anybody else. 
not going to kick up too much of a fuss about it. But if somebody comes along, I'm not going to be a big fan of it. Those kind of people. I know those kind of people. Those kind of people exist. Violent people also exist. And then, obviously, you get the... I just think it's important in the real world as well to recognise that racism does come in in, in many, many many forms. forms, And many, many racists can appear nice. And many racists can appear quite pleasant. But then... can believe that they're not racist because they're not doing like the main kind of forefronted form of it. Yeah. They're not chasing you down the street with a Confederate flag trying to beat you with a stick. Like, yes. So they're not racist. But they could be like the guy at the factory who's like, oh, yeah, I mean, you could just use him, take credit for what he does good, blame him for things he does bad, and then you look like a hero. And that that's all you need him for. It goes all the way you know. from from sort of silencing people and demeaning people all the way up to murdering people. Yeah. There's this huge spectrum. Spectrum. Mm. The spectrum of racism. What a pleasant (laughs) idea. Uh, It's not like, it's not like the spectrum of, of anything else. Is it? That's often kind of nice (laughs) and inclusive. The spectrum of racism. Yes. Horrible, it's all horrible situation. But it is all yeah. on show. It is all on show in the in in the heat of the night. Um, and you might be thinking, this sounds like a ridiculously racist movie. Why would anybody want to watch this movie? Well, that's just because Sidney Poitier is one step ahead of everything all the damn time. It's the most fight against racism movie you've ever seen. <laughs> While trying to investigate a murder and do your job competently, like, you know, um, it's a term that I've brought up that I heard from Lon Harris many times around here is the idea of competency porn, where it's just a good feeling seeing somebody do their job well. Sidney Poitier is always full of competency porn a Sidney Poitier <laughs> movie because he is always just a, a suited and booted middle class black guy who is yes. just very very good at what he does and he but comes even... in to other people and he's just like he makes everybody else realize that oh that's oh, right oh that's right and this is what Sidney Poitier does in every one of his movies and this but... is why he's great and even in the Defiant ones, that was kind of the first time we didn't see him suited and booted and like that. But he was, was still very, true. he was still very smart. He was still very ahead of the game. You know, when Tony Curtis was trying to ditch him with that lady, he already knew what was going on. You know, he was up on it. So um, he always is a very kind of smart, capable person in anything we see him in. Uh, so yes, definitely all about the competency board with Sidney Poitier. And just the fact that he had to do this job while still fighting against, you know, people putting him down and yeah, not wanting to listen to him and, you know, being so strongly against him. And he still, you know, managed to get done what he needed to get done. Um, it's just yeah. another, you know, testament to how great he is at his job and everything else. So yeah, look, you know, I'm always a big fan of people that are always one step ahead of everybody else in a particular movie or anything like that. Yes. This is why I love Vincent Price movies because for some reason 
no matter who he is as a character, he always seems to be one step ahead of everyone else. <laughs> everyone else. And this is why I just like him. He, he has a screen presence. And Sidney Poitier yes. has the same screen presence. He is yes. so charismatic and just so endlessly kind of... I love watching him. I love watching his every little move on screen, all his facial expressions. You feel like he's a very, very serious actor. Like, ooh, I'm going to watch a Sidney Poitier movie. I'm in for a bit of a heavy time. Yeah. But he's got a real sort of warmth and a calmness to him. Yeah. And just a kind of entertaining wit and smoothness in the way he's speaking and all that kind of things that just make a heavy heavy movie like in the heat of the night ridiculously watchable and as much as you know people fight against wanting to hear him out or wanting to believe him he has this way of just convincing you he does you know and he that's does. always great when like you know somebody's ready to just like tell him he's wrong and then he can just lay it out to you. And then you're just kind of like speechless because you're like, oh, well, uh, ooh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of ends your argument in your and tracks. That's, that's <laughs> what happens a lot in this movie with mm -hmm. Gillespie and, and Sam Wood and, other, and the other police officers. Yes. And let's be fair, the police officer, apart from Gillespie, who's a fairly competent police officer, the rest of them are jokers. Yes. But even Gillespie is really quick to kind of believe um, no, he is. Certain he is. things just to get it done, just to not have to deal with Virgil and things like that. I think that's a good point. He's a successful police chief because he gets stuff done, whether it's right or wrong. Yes. Whereas Virgil's very, no, this has got to be right. This is, no, what are you telling? No, it's not him. It's this other guy. What do you mean it's this other guy? It's not this other guy. What are you talking about? Why was this no. guy running? Why did he have you know, this money on him, blah, blah, blah. Like... <laughs> because he's left-handed. And yeah. this murder was done by a right-handed person. Oh, 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 how do you know that one? And then he goes through all the steps, all the steps of how he knows it, that. Yeah. And then it shuts everybody up. Basically, Sidney Poitier <laughs> is just telling everybody to sit down and shut up throughout this yes, movie. And I, and I love, love it. it. <laughs> I, I love it as well, Jenny. I, uh, I do love it as well. Obviously... This movie as well comes with a number of very, very famous scenes, doesn't it, Janine? Yes. <laughs> Not least of which is a very, very highly ranked, very highly quotable, famous, famous quote. Yes. Um, whereby, well, Sidney Poitier has annoyed Gillespie a little bit because Sidney Poitier has got it correct. Yes, Gillespie as we were talking about the left-handed thing that yes. happens there. Yeah. Gillespie doesn't like, doesn't like that he's wrong, doesn't like that the investigation has to continue. Gillespie starts getting shouty, shouty, doesn't he? He throws out the N-word, which is unnecessary and nobody yes. likes it. Um, you know, that's a... Virgil, 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 that's a funny name for a N-word from Philadelphia. What do they call you up in Philadelphia anyway? Janine? They call me Mr. Tibbs. They do. <laughs> they do. So good. They don't, so they don't good. call him Virgil. They don't call him boy. They don't call him any other nonsense racist no. term. They call him Mr. Mr. Tibbs. Tibbs. Isn't that what the sequel's called? 
I've no idea that this movie even has a sequel. I think there is a sequel called, like, They Call Me Mr. Tibbs or Mr. Tibbs or something. You made me aware that there was a TV show. Yes. <laughs> and I just happened... Who's the... Who is the black police officer in the TV show? I haven't really seen him in anything else but that show, so... So we don't know who it is. And I want to say that show was kind of maybe like late 80s, early 90s. I want to say that show was. Well, in looking at that, um, Archie Bunker was was the Rod Steiger character, which just makes all the sense in the world, really, yes. doesn't it? Like, I could not watch this after I kind of like showed you that there was the TV show and that picture um, of like the cover like I could not not see Gillespie <laughs> as Archie Bunker because he just looked like him in many scenes. He did. <laughs> he did. I really look. He, he really did look like him. And I know the guy who played Archie Bunker. I forget his name now. Is it Carol? Carol O'Connor. Um, he obviously was not his character. You know, yeah. he obviously he was as far from his character as you could be, really. Which I always, I always think is, is, I always think is great when people, when people can do that because it's, it's more, it makes more emphasis on it, doesn't it? It puts more emphasis yes. on it. On your talent to like make yeah. people think you're this completely different person. Exactly. But he, um, he's found, he's found a decades long career playing racists, that man. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, all, all, all power to him, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, guess. does it does it well? Does it well? Doesn't advocate for it, of course, but no. that's not the point. And uh, so, yeah, I, I do think that kind of. However, I feel like Archie Bunker, and I mean Archie Bunker, the character Archie Bunker, would absolutely not have come round in the end. Yeah. Like obviously Gillespie does, and by the end of the movie, as a movie like this is, as it's a very very positive movie in the end where it's just, we now have mutual respect for each other. Let's be more thoughtful in our own minds. Yeah. Gillespie comes to the realisation, oh, I've been a bit of a moron, haven't I, throughout my 50-year life. Yes, Gillespie. Yeah, yes, you have. <laughs> now you have respect for people. Congratulations, Gillespie. It's all thanks to Sidney Poitier. Yay. Yes. <laughs> Yay. I don't feel like Archie Bunker, the character, would have done that. I feel like Archie Bunker, the character, would have just blown a raspberry and pushed him out the door. <laughs> because that, that's just what he would have done. I don't know. I've not seen all in the family for some years yeah it's been a, it's been a while <laughs> um but i feel like there was also a gr lot of great kind of uh, this is a great not just a race story but an an, an investigative story absolutely um, where you're kind of dropping clues and things like that and you're you're a scooby-doo fan so i'm sure i'm you, a big scooby-doo <laughs> fan so you love stories with uh, investigations <laughs> i do <laughs> and i mean and figuring out clues and things well, you you say that you say that, Janine, don't you? But I'm I've never been and and will never be a movie watcher who figures out the story a quarter of the way into watching the movie. I don't know if I'm just incapable, or if I just don't like doing that. 
Yeah, I feel like, you know, how you watch movies, your mind probably just won't let you even try to think ahead. You just kind of stay in the moment and focus on what's happening in front of you as opposed to, like, trying to do the work of... um, Because then it kind of pulls you away from, you know, what's happening. It does. I feel like it does. But you bring up Scooby-Doo, and I'm one of those people that doesn't even know who the monster was in Scooby-Doo episodes. (laughs) Because... Like, I know it's blatantly obvious from the first minute you ever meet them who it is, but I'm one of those people that, oh, it was him, okay. Because I haven't really been paying attention to that kind of stuff. I've been watching the episode of Scooby-Doo, you know. But even like you just said, like, it's usually like right, right at the beginning, which in this movie, we see the killer right at the start of the movie. We do. We do. But we don't find out exactly who he is. Yeah. Until much, much later on. You likened him to what exactly, Janine? Oh, I was just... He looks kind of like a vulture. <laughs> like a he cartoon vulture. Like a, he does look like a cartoon vulture. <laughs> this man has the worst posture I've ever seen on a human being. Yes. His neck is crooked and... He's at least six foot five, but his back is hunched and his neck is crooked and his arms are skinny and he's kind of got a concave chest. Yes, like a vulture, like an animated vulture. (laughs) He looks like one of the Beatles vultures from the Jungle Book. Yes! (laughs) The bald one. He looks like the bald one, even though he's not bald. No. That's what he looks like. Another movie, by the way, Janine, from 1967. Oh um, my gosh. So maybe that's what they were going for <laughs> in the Jungle Book. I, I mean, his movements in this movie as well. I don't know how we didn't figure it out from the very, very start that this guy was just a weird, creepy dude. Yes. Because he just looks like a weird, creepy dude. It's it's like they were ramming it down your face. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. He runs a diner, anyway. He's racist, like everyone else. He's very yeah. racist. He's absurdly racist. He refuses also... to serve Virgil when they go there. He does. Yeah. And he, he doesn't just, like, refuse to serve him. Like, this is where I feel like the, there's a difference in racism as well. Not level of racism, but form of racism. Like, I feel you can get people that refuse to serve other people, but then you can get people that are literally frothing at the mouth in the prospect of ref- of yeah. serving, you know, a black person. This guy's, froth- this guy's basically frothing at the mouth and crying when Sidney Poitier walks in the building. Yeah. So it's it's an it's a bit next level, really. Yeah. I mean, once you start whacking out the Confederate flag, it does become a bit next level, and I know that it actually is a real thing that still happens. Yes. But for me, it just becomes a little bit of a oh my god, what a state you're making of yourself if you're whacking out the Confederate flag as a as a prideful symbol, as a symbol you yeah. waste of space. Yeah. You it was very infuriating. <laughs> get in the bin. That whole scene where they're just chasing him down the street and they have their Confederate flag license plate and like, oh, that whole scene was just very like irritating and frustrating <laughs> to watch. Like, 
he is a police officer and you're just like blatantly like okay well he's a black man so he doesn't mean anything so we're gonna chase him down the street and corner him in a warehouse and try to kill him with chains and sticks and i'm just like oh my gosh i just can't i just can't what i would say what i would say focus on janine what i would say focus on is the competency of sydney poitier <laughs> and the u- ultimate message of positivity that this movie is the ultimate message of self-reflection and you know let's all respect one another that this movie is because who ends who who ends up dying in the engineering it's the two main racists essentially yes the two main so. violent racists including the one brother of the 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 one girl who the one police officer I know I'm using the one a lot <laughs> um, Sam who likes to spy on in the middle of the night because she apparently likes walking at 16 years naked. old yeah. 16 years old just apparently just likes walking around the street with nothing naked. on yeah with her windows open where everyone can just see her so you know I mean Sure, if you want to do that in your own home. If you want to do that in your own home, that's fine, isn't it? There's no problem in doing that. But it's when the police officers are coming and spying on you and, and you know, getting you pregnant and all that nastiness. Yes. Not that and getting pregnant is nasty if it's under the right circumstances, you know, but if it's under yes. the wrong circumstances, it is quite nasty. Yes, which then I even kind of noticed that with the scene where the vulture guy, the vulture <laughs> he guy ref- yes. yes, he refuses to serve Virgil, but he's also kind of taunting Sam because Sam is the person that they're trying to frame yes. for this whole thing. Yeah. So he's like, I didn't really pick up on that um, until I was like, oh, he's really kind of taunting him. Like, oh, do you want some pie? <laughs> like just messing with him because he knows that he's going to kind of pin this whole murder and everything on him. I mean, look, Sam's not a good guy. No. Sam's not a good guy by any means. He's the first person that's outwardly racist to Sydney Virgil, Poitier. yeah. <laughs> I know I keep calling it Sydney Poitier and obviously it's Virgil Tibbs. <laughs> you know the it's the one time where the most... names are definitely the most kind of focused on thing yes. in the movie that character name specifically <laughs> yes it is um, but he's also a garbage police officer as well as being a generally unlikable kind of guy yeah and... he picks up Virgil at the train station Virgil's just quietly waiting for the train he was visiting his mother he's going back home not doing anything, Sam picks him up, frisks him, but doesn't bother to look at any of his identification just because you see a black man at night at the train station. Oh, he must have committed this crime, and he arrests him. Well, it's quite that's funny the when they get to the police station, isn't it? And they actually yeah. get Virgil's uh, police badge out, and Gillespie basically just goes, he, he, he uh, what's the word? What's he humiliates Sam a little bit. Yes. There, which is funny. Because people deserve humiliation sometimes. When they do stupid things like that, yeah. It's like, you um, arrested this man and you didn't even look at his identification. Like, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, look, the investigation in this movie is, as you said, very 
sort of intriguing and very well thought out. It's a great story as well as being an obvious, obviously a very, very important cultural message. Mm -hmm. um, again, you know, with the way I watch movies, I always watch movies in the context of their own time. And you can only imagine, in you know, in the heat of the night, it still rings true. But my God, in 1967, a movie like this, about police officers as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it still rings true. But in 1967, it's going to hit hard. Yes. This and even a black police officer, because then that's kind of melding the two conflicts, exactly. you know? Exactly. Exactly. Which is why I think that, obviously, a couple of years ago now, that uh, Spike Lee's Black Klansman was such a good movie, because it mm -hmm. was it really melded black police officer. And it yeah. had that sort of, you know... They they are, they are basically two sides of one conflict. Yeah, where there is that kind of side who is like, you know, police are the best thing ever and they're great and we're going to side with them and they can do whatever they want and we're giving them all the power. And they abuse that power at times. Whereas the person that's getting abused by this power should also have that same power then if that yeah. is your logic. Yeah. But you don't want to give that to them and you make their job 10 times harder. So that is just adds so many layers of conflict when you kind of combine those two things that, you know, we've seen many, many times be opposed things. And when yeah. you try to put them together, it makes for a very interesting um, dynamic that you kind of have to figure out, like, how how is this going to play out? Yeah. So. And look, those questions were brought up in in Black Klansman itself, weren't they? With yeah. the the girl he was seeing, who was very sort of anti anti police and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it, it's you know that was a good movie, and this is a, also a very very good movie. We also actually saw a nice uh, black police officer in Coffee, didn't we? We did. He was he that was you know a very very good. Human he was being. her friend, and he was, like, one of the few uncorrupt cops um, yeah. in that in that kind of sphere. Like, a lot of them were paid off or working for bad people, but he was one of the good ones. Yeah. yeah. So it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting yeah. thing. It's an interesting thing that really shouldn't be an interesting thing. No. Because <laughs> it just should be, oh, that's that, okay. He's a, he's a cop. He's a police officer. Okay. And that's that should be the end of it. But it's like you want to give these police officers all this power and control and right to do whatever they need to do or whatever they want to do, and they can't be touched. But when it's a black police officer, it's a whole different story, and they have to like climb all these, you know, um, yeah, you know, obstacles just to get that same kind of level of respect. So you know, yeah, I do. And I do. that's just a testament to him doing his job so well. It, it despite is. all that, you know. It is, but he always does that because it's Sidney Poitier. Yes. And whether he's a teacher, <laughs> a lawyer, a police officer, or a criminal, he's always very good at it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's very, very good at it. Um, we, although we do like his his teacher movie, don't we, Janine? We are yes. big, big fans of To Serve to With Love. To Serve With Love. 
Yes. It helps that Tasuma Thor <laughs> is also a British movie. Yes. Um, this, which, you know, that's a thing as well, though, isn't it? People have to remember... Be, um, a, a lot of American people seem to think that I live in a racistless country <laughs> because it's not quite the same outright level that the US is. Yeah. And while I think that is true, please do not for an instant picture this country as some sort of racist <laughs> ideal, ut- exactly, utopia. Um, I would like to, I mean, it's, it's, it's unpleasant, obviously, it's unpleasant, but don't think that, don't think that. It's not on the same level, but don't think that it's not there. It's perfectly infallible and everybody loves everybody, yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a horrible truth, really. Yeah. It's a horrible truth that it's still necessary, but it's why it's 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 why movies like this are necessary, and it's why movies like this should be wide widely viewed and widely talked about, because people watch movies like this, those beliefs that may be inherent can go away they can make you self-reflect like yeah. rod steiger does in this movie you can yes. you, you you might be a person like that you might be a person dismissive. like that yeah. and you might just need to have a bit of self-reflection or have an experience like this to kind of look at yourself and yeah. see what's happening you know what's going on there and i do think there are some people that there mo- most people who may be some form of of racist, can do that. They are able to do that. They have that within themselves to be able to do. I think some of them just flat out can't. And these are the very, very damaged, violent type. Yeah. Basically. Are active about their racism. Yeah. Yeah. The ones that, you know, appear in this movie as well. And um, like I was saying before, pathetic people who flaunt of the confederate flag around all the time yeah which is just bizarre i mean bizarre in the most stupid way yeah. possible um but yeah i was a big fan of in the heat of the night obviously i was a big fan of in the heat of the night what is there not to love as a hard-hitting dramatic movie Yes, what is there I, not to love about this? Yes, I really enjoyed this movie as well. I just liked, you know, him having to really succeed in the face of so much and still be so great and figure it out and be a step ahead of everybody and just kind of be throwing burns at everybody. Just throwing sick burns at everybody who were who doubted him. Or we're trying to use him in some kind of way, and he was always kind of ahead of all of that um, and prepared for it. Um, so definitely a great, uh, you know, crime story, race story. Uh, just kind of covered so many interesting avenues of storytelling for sure. So yeah, definitely really enjoyed this movie. I think before we wrap up entirely, we have to mention the 
the whole scene, or we have to go through the whole big scene with Mr. Endicott, who oh, uh, yes. at, at his at his actual cotton plantation, yes. that where full of actual black employees. So you know, there's already that going going all yeah. going really <laughs> positively for Mr. Endicott, isn't there? Oh yeah. And and obviously the, the, the black butler that greets them on it's basic you might as well just throw it in my face, you know? Yeah. You literally might as well just throw it in my face. This guy is secretly trying to live out his slave master fantasy. Fantasy. I mean he has one of those black jockey statues in front of his he house. Which, does. which, you know, I've heard stories about what those things were really used for and they were for and, you know, people would put those out to show that that house was a safe place for slaves to go who were on the Underground Railroad and stuff like that. I don't know. That I might have been then, d- but don't have them now. Now, yeah. Um, yeah. So just things like that were already just kind of like, okay, this guy is not going to, this is not going to <laughs> be a positive exchange. <laughs> no, no. And ultimately, you go into it and Sidney Poitier is being very clever about it. He's being very roundabout is uh, in the way he's asking his questions and that's my favorite way of doing things in a roundabout way you know i yes. like to do things in a roundabout way i never say anything straight straight up yeah you um, just he, and he also knows like he's a black man he has to be a bit uh pulled back and non-threatening to be able to kind of get where he needs to get with this guy because gillespie he's not gonna do it he's not gonna ask the right questions he's not thinking what i'm thinking he doesn't know what i know so he can't handle this i have to handle this but i can't i don't have that privilege to just outright ask yeah or use my police you know respect and uh title to get those answers i have to do this extra set of work just to kind of calm this guy down keep him calm and make him feel unthreatened so that I can then kind of weave my way into this conversation to find out what I need to find out. So, like, yeah, he has to do double the work just to figure this out. So, you know, Endicott's in his greenhouse working with some flowers. So Virgil, you know, feigns some interest. Oh, I, you know, I don't know much about this, but I do love these kinds of flowers. Da, 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 da. And this, then Endicott kind of goes into getting very excited. Oh, somebody wants to learn about my flowers. Meanwhile, yeah. you know, Virgil's looking at everything. He's touching things. He's trying to figure things out. And then it ha- goes into that line of questioning and Endicott doesn't like it very much and chooses to slap Virgil in the face. And what does Virgil do back, Morgan? <laughs> Virgil not only not only slaps Endicott back in the face, but he backhands him across the face, which just happens to be way better. It's like a hundred percent better if you backhand somebody across the face. Like a front hand slap that Endicott gives is just a slap. That's oh, you've just slapped me. But to then instantly just come back with bang. There's there's the back yes. of my hand, Endicott. I'm Sidney Poitier. He's just like, yes. Oh yes. God, yes. And again, we look at a movie and a scene like that appearing in a movie in 1967, and we go, holy hellfire! This is excellent. And we, yes. it's just, it's incredible. Yes. It's an incredible and- moment. 
the seriousness, the glare of Sidney Poitier's eyes yes. at that exact moment is terrifying. It's just so, like, piercing. Yes. And it's like that whole... But then it's frustrating when you're watching it because it's like, this dude just slapped a police officer. He just hit a cop, you know? Unprovoked. He's trying to do his job and you hit him unprovoked. But yet, when Endicott, you know, hit him first, that is not... He doesn't even think about that. He looks at Gillespie and he's like, Gillespie, this black man hit me. What are you going to do about it? When Endicott's the one who hit him first. (laughs) And like such a like a huge example of privilege right there just in that moment. It's a big moment. You know, Gillespie's like, well, no, I'm not going to do anything. You know. It is an enormous movie moment (laughs) in, in history. And I love it. I mean, look, Gillespie, Gillespie's not going to do anything. So Gillespie's kind of, no, I'm not going to do anything. I'm yeah. not going to do anything. This is kind of the first instance of, hmm, I think Gillespie's turning a little bit here. This is good. This yeah. is good. Well done. Well done, Gillespie. But, but even... ultimately, I think Gillespie's too busy polishing his yellow sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Uh, but even everyone in that exchange, like there's a bit of silence, Endicott, and then like I think just the whole act in general of getting slapped in the face, like Endicott's reaction was so so I mean, su- real is, in that it moment is such because a demeaning <laughs> act. Yes. So once you know, you know, Gillespie says, "I'm not going to do anything. Like we're just here to question you," um, and they end up leaving. Even the butler, like, turns to Endicott and just shakes his head at him and, like, walks out. And then you see Endicott just look like a child. And he's just blubbering. He just makes this sad blubbering, like, <laughs> like, pouty face. Like, he feels like such a little bitch. And it's just, like, <laughs> the face he makes, like, a blubbering child <laughs> kind of face. Oh, my gosh. Like, that whole exchange was just, like, oh, crazy to me just how it ended with him making this blubbery face like like so so pitiful but yeah. so meaningful yes so so meaningful that's just why i felt <laughs> like we really had to just talk about that scene Definitely. in particular before we wrap up this episode <laughs> because it is going to be a touch of a shorter episode today uh no, you know, times are times, schedules are schedules. Yes. And we're only, what, ten minutes shorter than usual? Yeah. So that's fine. Um, but yeah, my God, watch In the Heat of the Night if you haven't done. And Check it out, please. Look, I know, it, I know it sounds like a heavy movie, but it'll entertain you a hell of a lot. Yeah. And you will honestly just have a blast watching it. You know, if you're a respectful person... Um, although I would say, if you are, I mean, I'm calling out to the mildly racist here. If you are a mild racist, also watch In the Heat of the Night <laughs> for for more serious purposes. Yeah. You know, than than those uh, than those entirely respectful people. Yes. Um, I don't know, I'm calling people out there, but quite frankly, you need to be called out should you believe that sort of thing. Yes. 
if you are a violent racist, then don't listen to this show. Um, <laughs> you're probably not listening to this show, though, are you, to be probably fair? Probably not. <laughs> to be fair, we've been talking about a lot of black movies recently. Don't think you'll be listening. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I suppose, I suppose In the Heat of the Night isn't a black movie, is it, Janine? It wouldn't have fit in our... Morgan hasn't seen series. No, I wouldn't it consider it a black movie, but I would, you know, it's a race movie. That's because that's definitely a big part of the storytelling. Just um, a and I think there is a bit movie. of a difference. Yeah. I don't think every movie with Cindy Portier should be considered a black no. movie. <laughs> no. Even a, though he's amazing, but yeah. It's just a, it's just a Poitier movie. I, 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 you wouldn't consider Guess Who's Coming to Dinner a black movie, would you? But it's got more black people in than this movie. Yes. But it's still, it's just a, a race, race movie. movie. Yes. Just any movie with Catherine Hepburn in, unfortunately, cannot be a black movie. Yes, doesn't, darling. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you rang, Morgan. I didn't. I didn't, Catherine. Go back home. <laughs> You're not in this movie, Catherine. You're not in this movie. Anyway... Janine. Morgan. Are we going to wrap it up? I think so. Well, this has been episode 119 of the main show, It's a Wonderful Podcast. And the main show, It's a Wonderful Podcast, is the show we have here where we talk about those wonderful older movies that we all love so much. But we also have two other shows, don't we, Janine? What are those? Oh, we have Machine Mondays with me every Monday, Janine the Machine, talking all things Schmodown. We are deep in tournament season, so we'll be, you know, breaking down matches and news and all that fun stuff. Uh, and every Wednesday we have Morgan Hasn't Seen, where, you know, Morgan hasn't seen a lot of things. So, you know, I pick a related series of films or franchise of films he's missed and we watch and discuss. But next week, it's a whole different situation. It is. It is. It's Janine hasn't seen for Janine's birthday yes. month. We're just switching it up. So I'm choosing movies for Janine to watch that she hasn't seen. We did just finish our epic uh, double features run of black movies of all genres in the month of July. It was yes. a hell of a lot of fun. The last episode and the last two movies were by far my favourite. Yes. <laughs> um, I loved every second. I mean, ultimately, Janine, ultimately, what would you have given to see a Blackula sequel with William Marshall versus Sidney Poitier as two vampires. Oh my gosh, that would oh, so good, so good. I think Sidney you're Poitier getting, could have played me a vampire. Sad. <laughs> you're making me sad. That never happens. I think Sidney Poitier is perfect for a vampire. I mean, he's maybe too nice. He's maybe too kind of warm. He's not cold enough no. to be a vampire. He's much too pleasant. Yes. He's much too pleasant. Sidney Poitier can be the hero that kills the vampire. He That's needs a moustache, though. He does need a moustache if he's going to be in black. <laughs> he, needs, he needs to be, what was his name, Falmus Rasulala. Yes. Who was the detective. Um, he, needs to be, he needs to be that guy. He needs yes. to be that guy. Anyway. There we go. That is what we have on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. We've got you covered Monday, Wednesday, Friday... 
And you can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and a whole bunch of others. We are absolutely everywhere, or just on Twitter at It's A Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at the purple done with the three instead of the E in the because Janine. Three is the magic number. Janine, we also have a Patreon. We Why do. don't you go and tell people about that? Yes, we have the It's a Wonderful Podcast Patreon at It's a Wonderful One on Patreon.com or just search It's a Wonderful Podcast on Patreon.com. Uh, it's a great way to support Morgan and I. We do our great shows together and, you know, yeah, there's some fun tiers for you. You get artwork, fun little videos, fun Sunday live streams with us where you just get to hang out, uh, polls, uh, input on shows, all kinds of things. So just just come come hang out with us. It's a fun Find time the tier the that's right for you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a fun time on the Patreon. But Janine, where can everybody find you? Oh, you could find me at Janine Debean on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, check my Twitter. I sometimes will put posts out uh, asking for you guys to leave voice messages on whatever we're discussing. So you'll get the link right there and easy peasy, short little one minute voice message. We would love to hear from you. Play it on the show. Um, so yeah, find me there. Uh, and you can also check out my Tee Public shop on tpublic.com at G9Design. You can get merch for our shows. If you are a patron at the tier to get custom artwork, you can find that there as well. And just all my art in general. You can get fun prints and merch and fun things. So check out my Tee Public shop, G9Design on tpublic.com. Yes, you should also say about the voice messages that that is always a link in the description of every episode of every yes. show we have on this feed for you to go and leave us a voice message. But there we go, Janine. Janine, do you want to do it in a in a Sydney Poitier impression? Oh no, I can. <laughs> you not do Sydney Poitier's weird no. half British, half Caribbean, half American voice? <laughs> yeah, no. I should not, be able to do that. Not that three halves <laughs> even mean anything, but let's be fair, Sidney Poitier is one and one half man. Yes, he is. <laughs> he is 150% man. Yes, he more is. than any man. <laughs> more than any man. This side of William Marshall from Blackula, who I yes, also think is so 150% man. Definitely. Go for it, Janine. Okay. Three, two, one... <laughs> Bye. They call me Mr. Tibbs.